0: Welcome to this Sunday Morning Meeting podcast from Kingdom Faith Yorkshire. Today's message is by Paul Abel. Who wants to continue in debt? No. I hope not. Who wants to continue in prosperity? Yes. Who wants to walk in health? Yes. What about if this morning I could talk to you and you could grab hold of something that would ensure Without doubt, that those kind of things are manifested in your life, the lives of your family, the lives of your friends, and the lives of your community. Would you want to listen to that? If I had an answer for that, would you want to take that answer? Because I do. I do have an answer. Last week we looked at David. Do you remember David inquired of the Lord? He did what the Lord said and the enemy was defeated. Amen, that's right. I hope you didn't go home last week thinking the enemy's in the field. The purpose of last week was the enemy's no longer in the field because we have the victory. And David learnt that if he inquired of the Lord, then he would have that victory. That's right. Or did he learn that? Unfortunately, he didn't. <laughs> so, last week, quick, very, very quick recap. The Philistines are in the Valley of the Giants. David inquires of the Lord. The Lord says, do this. The enemy is scattered. The enemy comes back. They fill the valley. They're, they're stealing. They're, they're destroying. And David inquires of the Lord. And David says, do this. This time, go around the back, go around the trees, attack from here. And he has the victory. So David's on a bit of a high. He's doing great in God. That sometimes is more dangerous than when you don't feel you're doing well in God. Sometimes we're safest when we know we're not doing well, so we have to listen to God. And this is what happens to David. David does, starts to put in plans for doing something absolutely Amazing. Because the Ark of the Covenant, now do you know what that is? It was the gold box, basically, that God gave to Moses, or revealed to Moses. It was called the Ark of the Covenant, and that that Ark would be in the tabernacle, which was the tent that God showed Moses how to construct, to, to demonstrate that God wanted to dwell in the middle of his people. Now, remember, in the days of Moses, you're talking about people who think very, very physically. And so God is showing them something deeply spiritual, but in a very physical way. And the box was the presence of God in the middle of the people. But through battles and through wars and through various things, this ark is not where it should be in David's capital of Jerusalem. And they've got to get it back. Okay? So, David decides... Well, in fact, he brings out his men, and he's planned it all. He consults his uh, army leaders, what shall we do? And they they think about what they should do, and they they realize that around them, when uh, people do something important, they do it well. They do it to a standard of excellence. And so David decides, right, what we need then, if we're going to bring this ark back, we need to honor God, how shall we do that, leaders? And they come up with a plan that they will bring it back on a brand new cart. Brand new one. Fully decorated. Fully painted. Top of the range. Just like Ron's car. (laughs) It's a good one. Okay? And the arc is carefully placed on it. Uh, set the ark of God on a new cart and brought it from the house of Abinadab, which was where it has been, which was on the hill. Uzzah and Ahio, sons of Abinadab, were guiding the new cart with the ark of God on it. And Ahio was walking in front of it. David and the whole house of Israel were celebrating with all their might before the Lord, with songs and with harps, with lyres, with tambourines, with sistrums and with cymbals. It was a spectacle. The worship was great. All the instruments were out. Kingdom faithers, you'd love it. It was full-on, charismatic, band out there going for it. And it all goes wrong. Because if you noticed, I'm sure you did. At the beginning of that story, David consults with his generals, his leaders, his people. They come up with a good idea, and it is a good idea. Great worship, great praise, brilliant cart. But they did not inquire of the Lord. And the word was very specific with this ark. If you remember, this ark was symbolic. But it wasn't just symbolic, it was the presence of God amongst the people. You don't mess with the presence of God. You have to know what you're doing. Sometimes we forget Aslan is dangerous. God is dangerous, if you know your Narnia stories. He's not a tame God. His power is infinite. And the story goes sadly wrong, even though, with all their best intentions and all their best plans, they're doing what they think is good. And it goes very, very wrong. We're not going to analyze the wrongness, we'll just look at it and learn from it. When they came to the threshing floor of Nacon, Uzzah reached out and took hold of the Ark of God because the oxen stumbled. You think, well, is that not a good thing? He didn't want the ark to fall on the floor. Do you seriously think that God would have allowed his presence to fall on the floor? Do we seriously think that a man can reach out and save God? So Uzzah reaches out and despite the fact that it is clearly written that the ark should not be touched except by those who are set apart for God. The presence of God should not be touched except for those who are set apart for God. He reaches out and tries to save God. And if you know this story, it says, therefore God struck him down and he died there beside the ark. Reminds me of the story of Ananias and Sapphira, if you know that story. Where Uzzah is? I don't know. He's probably in heaven. But he tried to do something that he wasn't supposed to do. The instructions were clear. If David had inquired of the Lord by reading the word of the Lord that he had, he would have realized that it was to be carried on the shoulders of the Levites. The Levites are the priests. There were rings in the side for which poles should be inserted. And they would carry it between them with these poles, with the ark in the middle. And they would walk with the ark. Because the presence of God is not to be bundled on a cart, even a new one. The presence of God can only be carried by the priests of God. To do anything else is... Maybe you don't understand it, but to do anything else is to gravely insult, deny, and put down who God is. We'll sort God's problem out for him. We'll do it the very best we can. And it all went wrong. David gets angry, he doesn't get repentant at this point. He gets angry. We were doing our best for you. We planned it all out. You're just so unthankful, so ungrateful, God. We would planned it all. It was good. We'd spent money on it. Look at the worship team we had. Look at how everybody was marching. Do you know, God, how much we spent on that cart? And just because some guy reaches out to try and save you, he dies. And I look Stupid. Because I'm the king and I organize it. Or why are you making me look stupid? You're so ungrateful, God. You've anointed me as king. I'm being king. Why is this all going wrong? That's what it says. It says he's wrath. He wasn't just a little bit miffed. David's next step after anger David was afraid. not only is he beginning to realize i've done something i shouldn't do he then begins to realize and then i've got angry and made it even worse and he becomes fearful and he says how can the ark of the lord ever come to me he means in jerusalem and he wasn't willing to do it anymore instead he took it aside to the house of obed edom the gittite so some guy gets this ark in his house The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Idom the Gittite for three months, and the Lord blessed him and his entire household. You see, the presence of God, when it's not being mistreated, is always blessing. Obed-Idom had just come into the presence of God because the king had left it there, and he is blessed. Eventually, David sees sense. And to take the story short, because I want to go on to the next part. He goes down, he repents before God, and they bring the ark back. Uh, And you'll find out if you're reading Chronicles, they do it on the poles. Uh, Carrying the ark of the Lord, and he sacrifices a bull for the blood. He's wearing a linen ephod rather than showing off as king. He's showing contriteness and humbleness. And he dances before the Lord with all his might. And while while he and the entire house of Israel broke up the ark of God with shouts and the sounds of trumpets, and if you read the other accounts in the Bible of it, they have exactly the same kind of worship team, which is interesting, isn't it? They weren't wrong to have the musicians. They were just wrong in how they were treating the presence of God. In fact, the musicians were what God wanted. So David, who's experienced these great victories over the enemy, goes straight into defeat, if you like, and one man dies because he forgets that no matter how anointed he is, no matter how much authority he has, no matter how much he can operate as a priest as well, if he doesn't listen to God, he will not experience the victory that God has for him. And what I would like to just look at is this, uh, it, some of you would have heard me teach on this before, but this, seeing this victory in our lives, we need to inquire of God. How do we see victory? How do we overcome the enemy? And we're going to look at something very specific, but very related to David, I suppose. And that is this word that's up there, praise. Because David was right in having all those musicians and people come And I find when I read the Bible, this word, that's the English word, is one of the most mistranslated words that there is in the Bible. And that's what, we're just going to look at the Hebrew, the actual Hebrew words that are used that are often translated just as praise or sometimes singing and sometimes shouting. But very often even the word which is shouting will just be praise. And that word praise has become kind of a, well done, that's excellent, you've done a really good job there. That's not what we're saying to God in worship, well done God, fabulous job God with creation, what awesome God you are, fab God, you have my approval. Because it's no good as praising God how we think God should be praised, even with the best band. We can only praise God and worship God if we inquire of God, well, what's your plan? How do you see that working? It must be one of the most important things we do. It's our direct contact with God. And when we have this contact with God, the enemy, in whatever way he's manifest, is routed from our lives. The valley of giants is empty and the people are safe. It's not that the valley doesn't ever get full. But the valley empties when we do this. So we're just going to look at some words. Because we need to know what God's word is. Do you know that in Hebrews, the author writes that without faith, it is impossible to please God. But he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So how do you have faith if you don't know what you should be doing? If you don't know what the Word says, you can't have faith. Faith means trusting God, trusting the Word of God, and then acting upon that. Saying, well, that's what God's Word says, so that's what... I'm going to do David acted on the word of God and went straight out and saw victory then David acted on the word of God and went round the back behind the trees and came in that way and experienced the victory then David did what he thought was best what he was comfortable with what looked like a good idea what they could learn from the experience of the nations around them in dealing with their gods and somebody died so knowing god's word and having faith in god's word is so important but it's not a bad thing notice the word there you please god have you ever wanted to th- have you ever thought god is so divine and so awesome that you don't really make any difference i have i don't know about you i just thought you just sometimes feel like that he's just so out there and here is the word saying you can please him you can make him happy he enjoys it when you trust him and even more and this really is often not out there and he says and then he rewards you you made me happy let me reward you isn't that just blow your mind a bit god does like to reward we've kind of got sometimes a bit of a pattern that the only reason to worship god is because because you've got to And actually, it's okay to know that God will reward you. I guess if your only motivation is the reward, it's, are you genuinely praising him? But it's nice to know it's there. It's not that God doesn't want you to enjoy the reward, otherwise he wouldn't give you the reward. For those who draw near to God must believe that he is. You've got to believe he exists. And you must believe, it says, that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So it's not just to please God, you've got to have faith. To please God, you've got to believe that he wants to reward you. He wants to give Joanne things that make her happy. I know this sounds like prosperity gospel. It's not. It's just the Old Testament. God wants to give you, God wants to give Tony here good things. He wants him to have a nice place to live. He wants him to have a job that satisfies him. He wants everybody in this room to have a life that is satisfying and fulfilling and prosperous in whatever way. He does want that. He wants everyone to have good health. And so with faith, we take hold of these. So with faith, we're going to take hold of these words that mean praise, so that we see these things happening in our lives. And anything that is contrary to that, because there always will be something creeping in that valley gets chased out and we don't allow it anymore you see the problem with us as church sometimes is that we accept less than what god wants for us we think well that's life that's how everybody is but we're not how everybody is we're the people of god we are the priests we are the kings and it's not that this is the only way to do something but it's certainly a way and it's certainly something that succeeds so are you ready for success Do you feel successful? Because God wants you to be full of success. To prosper in making Jesus known. To prosper in praying for healing. To prosper in leading people to Jesus. To prosper in your workplace, whether it's a factory or wherever it is, or a, or a shop, or whatever you do. God wants you to prosper there. We, should, we are amazing people with what God has done. When we work somewhere, that place should be better because we're there. Not because we're arrogantly superior, but because the blessing of God is on us. We're like, if you think the presence of God here is on Ron, so wherever Ron goes, he takes that presence of God. Well, that ark was wheeled in on a cart that it shouldn't be on into Obed-Edom's house, and suddenly the house is all getting blessed. And things are changing, things are arriving, and, and everybody's noticing. What is happening to them? The presence of God is there. Amen. When Shona turns comes into the summit, and she stands behind the hub and gives you a cup of coffee, people are getting blessed because the presence of God is with her. She could be in a foul mood or a super mood, but the presence of God is on her. Amen. Amen. Jane. The presence of God is on you. You are a blessing when you go places. David, the presence of God is with you. When you go somewhere, it starts to become better. Anne. It's easy to believe this of Anne, isn't it? Because she's got that smile. But when Anne goes somewhere, the place is better. James sitting on the sound desk. He's a blessing because the presence of God is with him. Are you with me? Right. So, what are these words? We're going to go through them fairly quickly. So if you like them, you can lead them up later. Okay? So the Ark of the Covenant is the presence of God. And you have the presence of God. So if you have the presence of God, Christ lives in you and you are in Christ, then we need to know how we walk with that presence. We don't want to end up doing the equivalent of sticking it on a cart. Right, There's this word. Your door. The uh, bit in the middle is kind of how to pronounce it. The bit at the bottom is the Hebrew. The bit at the top is the way it's written, usually, if it's written in English. So this is a word that usually is just translated praise. Oh, that men would praise the Lord in all his goodness and for his wonderful works. That's Psalm 107, verse 8. There's that word praise. This word actually means to hold out your hands. Have you ever wondered why some people do this when they're worshipping God? It's because God tells you to. It means I honour you. I worship you. There's something that opens you up. There's something that's embarrassing to self sometimes in doing it. I don't want to do that. I'm going to look like some religious nut. Exactly. We're supposed to be religious nuts. We love the Lord Jesus. We love God. We reach out to him and we worship him. So this word, your door, literally means to raise, hold out your hands, to raise your hands, to worship and honour God in thankfulness and to shoot arrows. You say, well, where does that fit in? It means, thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. You know, sometimes when something good just happens, you don't just say, oh, that was lucky. You say, thank you, God. It's an arrow of praise that goes out, and the enemy is routed, and the blessing of whatever that good thing is multiplied. Blessing is so powerful. If I come up to Joanne and say, Joanne, I bless you in the name of Jesus, something is being released into Joanne. You see, if she has faith and I have faith, we are pleasing God and releasing the blessing, and we're both going to be rewarded. It's not just some words. You are powerful, because you are in God. So suddenly you look at that next bit, oh, that men would praise the Lord. The psalmist has said, oh, that men would hold out their raised hands and worship and honour God, which is just what Paul says in Timothy, if you remember. He's quoting really that, but he's using Greek words. It's a little bit more than just, oh, that men would praise him. Oh, that men would lift their hands and honor God. It's a bit more demonstrative, isn't it? That's your door. So that's why we raise hands. That word is again and again and again and again and again in in the scriptures. Here's another one. Now this one, if you're somebody who comes from the background of quietness like me, you won't like it. This is David when he was dancing before the Ark of the Lord. It means to make a show. You say, oh no, 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 no. No, you shouldn't be making a show. You shouldn't be doing a show when you're worshipping. Well, God says make a show. Demonstrate. It means to make a show, to boast, and I like this bit, to be noisily foolish. One thing James Maloney said to us Dr. James Maloney if you know him you'll know who I'm talking about if you don't he's a a great prophet of God Uh, one of the things he said to us uh, in the early days was never ever lose your noisy foolishness he said because so many churches use that because they think they are maturing and maturity in God is to be noisily foolish when Mike lets out a face melting solo on the guitar he's being godly Amen. That's cool. when the drummer in God gives an almighty drum solo he's praising God it doesn't mean to be noisily stupid it just means to give yourself completely to God to not care what others think about you if you remember Michal, David's wife when David got back from dancing with all his might she has a go at him and says, that's not what a king's supposed to do. You've made us look stupid. And David says, I could be even more foolish than this. Because this is what God wants me to be doing. He wants me to dance before him. It's why we dance before God. It shouldn't really take somebody here or here or here to say, come on, let's dance. There should be something in this that just says, yes, I just want to dance to God. And you want to see weaknesses and infirmities gone from your body? Dance to the fullness of your ability. Even if at the moment the fullness of your ability was sitting down, waving your arms, that would be dancing in God because you're doing everything you physically can to dance to Him. But so often we want to keep God's presence safe on the car. I'm not dancing around like God says. I look like Pastor Paul and he looks stupid when he's doing that. I'm a man. (laughs) <laughs> I suppose that kind of implies I'm not, but <laughs> <coughs> that's why we dance. Not because it's or we should do, but because it's something that gives glory to God. Yes, yes, yes. Boast and be noisily foolish. Oh, and yeah, another, another way of um, in, ch- uh, translating the word is, is to rave. <laughs> <laughs> To rave and celebrate. I mean, how cool is that? Psalm 150, last one in the book of Psalms. It's all praise, 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 praise. It's this word that's used all the time. Praise you the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his firmament. Praise him with a s- um, trumpet. Praise him with the psaltery and harp. Praise him with the timbrel and dance. Praise him with stringed instruments and organs. Praise him with loud cymbals. Praise him upon the high sounding cymbals. That everything that hath breath, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. The word being used is dance, but be be look foolish, make a show, boast, rave and celebrate God. That is one noisy praise party happening right there. And it's in the Old Testament. Not even in the New. This is before they've really discovered how amazing grace is. This is before they know they can all be priests. They can all carry the presence of God. The Ark of the Covenant is with every person in this room. And when we gather together, the presence of God is with us. This is why we're doing this now, and then we're going into worship. Because we're going to remember, we're going to go in with the presence of God and worship however you want to respond to these words today because you want to see victory in your life, in your family's life, in the life of your friends and in this town. And we will not accept anything less. This is just another variation of pray until. Pray until you have the victory. This is how you can pray, with praise. Okay, let's have another word. Tehillor. Excuse me, just need a bit more water. (coughs) Tehillor. This one doesn't necessarily mean being loud, which is nice for all those that are thinking, is it all loud? This one actually is very interesting. It means it's it is powerful praise. But it means to enthrone God in worship. A hymn of worship. Um, Announcing something excellent, giving honour. This is those. Those songs that you just feel, oh God, you're amazing. That's those kind of ones. So it could be quite quiet. Oh God, you're amazing. Or it could be, oh God, you're amazing. It could be either. It's, being, it's, it's enthroning God. And of course as we come together, there's that like lifting God and enthroning him. Because we're declaring he is worthy of praise. To Helo, announcing something excellent. Our God is an excellent God. That's what it is. When we worship together, whether it's Sunday morning, whether it's Thursday night, those are particularly powerful times, but also if we worship in our house church, we are declaring God is powerful, God is excellent. When we worship together, this town changes. It's why it's so important to keep being part of that. It's not just a thing, oh, I should be at church. No, it's about joining in and being part of what we saw last week, that army. We we, we tend to put a very modern, we do what we feel like and can fit in attitude to things. But God is calling us to something much higher than that. Much greater than that. A real, yes, God is first in my life. Not just in words, but in the way we're living. I know it's tough. I know you can go to another church and they'll just be pleased if you turn up on a Sunday and not expect much more. But we love God. I want to see others know Jesus. So I want to do what his word says. Okay, here's another one for you. Rinna. Uh Aha, this one means to cry out, glad shouting and joyful singing, shouts of joy and a shrill sound. Have you ever been? I can't really do it, but women abroad, they make that really high-pitched shrilly noise. That's this word. Imagine if we were doing that in worship. Oh, please God, no. It's sort of a, that's what it is. Imagine if we were all doing that on a Sunday. You know, uh, Anybody walk in and think, oh, my goodness. <laughs> Quick, down the stairs, off to St. Martin's. <laughs> Go somewhere sane. <laughs> the funny thing is, it talks of God doing that. Wow. That messes with your head, doesn't it? God goes shrilling in heaven. Here, here is where he does it. All right? I'll read you the scripture from Chronicles. The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. What word in there do you think is rinah or rinor? Sorry? Singing. Singing. so joyful shout, this is from the NIV. He will rejoice, 1984 probably, rejoice over you with singing. It means he will rejoice over you. Ah, Yes, they're my kids, they're my children, I love them. Shouts of joy over you from God. So we should really be doing the kind of same thing back. Oh God, you're amazing. Instead of people when they hit their thumb shouting Jesus, we're shouting Jesus in praise. We're changing the atmosphere. Maybe people will say, why are you cursing? I'm not, I'm praising. (laughs) (laughs) As long as you are. (laughs) He will rejoice over you with glad shouting and joyful singing, shouts of joy and the shrill sound. I really can't, I can't, I haven't got a picture yet. I still can't get God making that kind of a noise because he's excited about me. But he is. He looks at Teresa and he just starts shrilling because she's so beautiful, she's so stunning, she's so anointed. Because that's what God's like. He looks at Kath over there and he's off. (laughs) I do apologize to anybody listening to the recording because if you're listening on headphones, that noise is probably particularly unpleasant. (laughs) That's Rinna. Here's another one. Todor. Not your toe in the door. This one, this this is good. This is interesting. This is everybody together raising their hands again. But it's it's a great choir of worshippers, a sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. If you think of a time where everybody's going, when everybody begins to sing in worship together in tongues, <coughs> that's Todor. That lifting God high. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, it says in Psalm 100, verse 4. It means enter his gates as a great crowd of worshippers, lifting your voices together. You know, sometimes when we've worshipped and we've just... I've said, to you just, just praise with noise, just, just let a noise come out. You know, like... Uh, you know, you've, you've heard it. You do it just out of context and it sounds, what? But when it's in context, isn't it beautiful? That's Todor. When it's tongues together, it's beautiful. That's Todor. Then there's Zamar. This is is particularly our worship team, Zorma. To strike with the fingers, to play instruments and sing at the same time. Interesting, there's actually a biblical word that means to play an instrument and sing. You can't get a better picture of that than a guitar. (laughs) It's just a modern version of what they were using. But you can play the drums you can play the keyboard and sing Zamar. I will sing and give praise even with my glory awaken lute and harp I will awaken the dawn that's the quote I've got there to celebrate in song and music here's another one Shubach it means to address and glorify God in a loud voice shouting triumphant praise do you, do you spot the theme of God's words here? It's amazing, isn't it? And how often that's shut down. Why do you think it gets shut down? So the Philistines can stay in the valley. When we're ill, sometimes the worst thing you want to do is praise. It's the thing we have, we do to see the victory over it. Whatever it is, we can... You know, I'm not saying that you're shivering in bed with a temperature and you've got the flu and you come into the church and you start jumping around and celebrating you might not be physically capable of that at that point and probably if you are highly infectious and not healed at that moment stay at home but a lot of the time when we're ill this is the best place to be but even when you're lying in bed with the flu you can be going thank you Jesus thank you Jesus thank you Jesus because you want to see the victory over it are you with me? Yes. That's Shabach. Praise the Lord, all you nations. Praise all of you. So glorify God in a loud voice, shouting triumphant praise, all you nations. Borach. This one is often translated, it can be translated praise, uh, and it is in some places, depending on what version you've got. It actually means, and it's sometimes translated like it, to kneel and bless God. Often the kneel bit is missed completely. It means to kneel and bless God. Just in case you thought everything was shouting is this place. Have you ever knelt in worship? It's a powerful thing to do. It's a godly thing to do. It's why that's what a lot of Anglican churches did do. They don't do it so much now, they sit on the pews. They knelt. There is a rightness in kneeling and blessing God. This is a great thing when you're at home, especially if you've got a home full of people and it's just like, this isn't the time I can be really loud. You can kneel and get before God. You probably won't be able to do it for very long because your legs will hurt too much if we're not used to it. To kneel and bless God. To enjoy God. To be in his presence. Sometimes it's not even saying anything. It's just being there. In the blessing. Borach. Oh, I've only found this one this morning. Ruah. This, this, this is the most extreme praise word I have ever found in the Bible. The literal translation of this word means to split the ears with sound. <laughs> Sounds like a rock concert to me, to split the ears with sound. It's used of very, very loud trumpets and very, very loud instruments in the Bible. Sometimes people think this is modern worship. This is thousands of years old worship. It's just that we're using what we have and what we use in our culture, which is what they were doing. It's It's not really how you do it, it's whether you're responding in these ways and these words. In obedience to God. Ruah, to split the ears with sound, to blow an alarm, to give a battle cry, to shout for triumph. Now, how often have you been in worship? And you kind of do want to be loud. And, and I'm talking of myself, I get to this place as well. Sometimes it's almost easier when you're at the front because there's that extra prod, you've got to do it. uh, But if you're not in the front, and you know that you should be loud, and you sort of do that that sort of semi-shouting. Oh, praise you, Jesus! Yes, Lord! Glory! It's sort of like a loud whisper. Uh, And we kind of compromise it a little bit. You know, that means I'm shouting, because I'm just a little bit too embarrassed and feel awkward about shouting. That's fine. You know, that's where you're at. But how about we ask God that we want to get past that? I want to ruach. I mean... Yes, that was new to me. I, I couldn't believe it when I read the translation. To split the ears <laughs> with sound. Incredibly loud trumpet blows. Or any other instrument. Actually, the NIV isn't so bad on this one. Psalm 47, where the word's used, does say, shout to God with, crowds of, with cries of joy. But somehow, even shout to God with cries of joy is not quite the same as split the ears with sound. Make it so loud, it's loud. How many of you are sitting there thinking, I don't like it loud? But God does, it seems. I tell you who doesn't like it loud. Yeah, all those in the Valley of Giants, all those Philistines, they don't like it loud. They'll encourage you to keep it quiet. We're not really talking about splitting your ears. We even have a decibel meter to make sure we don't. But it is about being loud. Here's another one. Shorqor sure or Shaka. And it actually means, usually it's translated, it can be translated praise, but usually it's translated with the word worship. And I put it in at the end. Because this word means to worship God, yes. It means to prostrate oneself To bow self down, to fall before, before royalty. This is when you see somebody and they get down before God and they've been on their knees and they're blessing God and they just want to go deeper into his presence. You know how awesome he is and you actually get down on your face, prostrate before God. Or you stretch your hands out in front of you. And I tell you, when David wrote these words, it wasn't hygienic on the floor there either. It's part of worshipping in body, mind and spirit, with all that strength, with all that we are. It goes from that ear-splitting, shrilly sound to silence before God on your face. shukor shukor, or shaka this was that word that I mentioned the other week shaka that was my oldest son's first word in tongues his only word in tongues was shaka, 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 shaka he kept saying and I thought he was making it up because I'd never heard anybody just praying with one word before and then later I found this out and felt quite humbled (laughs) one last bit this is I'm sorry about the smallness. I wanted to get it all on the screen. This is Psalm 100. I've just put some Hebrew words in there, some of which we haven't covered this morning because it's too much. But uh, this this sounds pretty good. Psalm 100. Shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful songs. And that sounds pretty good worship, doesn't it? Know that the Lord is God. It is He who made us and we are His. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. Enter, the gates, enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him and praise His name. For God is good and His love endures forever. His faithfulness endures or continues through all generations. Let's just stick some of the Hebrew we've just done in there. Because you'll see that word praise is in there quite a lot. Or your door has been translated as thank you instead of praise. You see Barak's translated praise, the Helos translated praise. Shout for joy is that Ruah word. Here we go. Split the ears with sound. I haven't put that there, I've just added it in. Split the ears with sound. Raise a joyful battle cry to the Lord or the earth. Worship, perform, and serve the Lord with laughter and happiness. That's a word we didn't do. Laughter and happiness. Why do you think we say in our vision and have great fun doing it? Laughter and happiness defeats the enemy. Come and meet with him with joyful shouting and triumphant songs. Know and experience that he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are the sheep of his pasture. Come. Into his presence, with your hands raised in adoration, sounding like an amazing choir. Be surrounded by his presence as you give powerful praise. Hold out your hands, honour him with thanksgiving. Kneel before him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, beautiful, delightful, precious. And his goodness, kindness and mercy will never end. And his faithfulness continues through all generations. (coughs) Isn't it amazing what the English disguises sometimes? It's because it's more like the amplified version. You can't put everything in it. But wow. I'm going to read it again. Shall we stand up? Shall we get the worship team up? Let's read it again. If I, Yes, I can make it go backwards. Hallelujah. This is Psalm 100. It won't look like this in your Bible because it's expanded the words praise and thanks and a couple of the other ones about God being good. Ah. Oh. Are you ready? Hallelujah. Are you ready? Oh I've forgotten that bit. I was just <laughs> Are you ready to be joyful to praise and see the enemy defeated. Yes. We're just going to go in and praise God. For, we'll just let the Holy Spirit lead for about half an hour. Whether you end up dancing, jumping, lying on the floor, kneeling, just respond to what God is doing in you. Don't do the same thing you always do. Say, yes, I want the enemy out of that valley. And I'm doing that by praising God. One of these praise words is used of, the army, of God, uh, the army when it marches out against the Philistines. It says they were praising God. It means they were shouting triumphantly. They weren't just going, oh thank you Lord, holy is your name. So that will defeat the enemy as well if that's what the Holy Spirit is leading you like. But we can't just put God's presence on, the, on a cart. We've got to praise God how he says. Ruah is the first word. Let's split ears with the sound. Let's raise a joyful battle cry to the Lord all the earth. Worship, perform, serve the Lord with laughter and happiness. <laughs> I can hear some laughter. <coughs> we could have some shouts. Let me get the big microphone here. Oh. Hallelujah. Come on, please. Split the ears with sound. Raise a joyful battle cry to the Lord, all the earth. Worship, perform, serve the Lord with laughter and happiness. Come and meet with him with joyful shouting and triumphant songs. Know and experience that the Lord is God. It's him who made us. We are his. We are the sheep of his pasture. Come on into his presence with your hands raised in adoration, sounding like an amazing choir. Be surrounded by his presence as you give powerful praise. Hold out your hands. Honor him with thanksgiving. (laughs) And then kneel before him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. He is beautiful. He is delightful. He is precious. And his goodness, kindness and mercy will never, ever, ever end. And his faithfulness continues through all generations. Hallelujah, Jesus! Hallelujah. The amazing thing about the risen Jesus is that he meets with us where we are at. So much so that he would go into Samaria to the village of Sikor to meet with the woman at the well. So much so that he met with the woman caught in the act of adultery in the middle of the street with all her judges standing around her ready to stone her. He met with Nicodemus the priest in the middle of the night because he was afraid of being seen to be with Jesus. He met with Peter on the shores of the lake after his resurrection with the barbecue so that Peter could be restored into full fellowship with him. Jesus meets with us where we are at but he has no intention of leaving us there. He won't leave you sitting on the well. That woman went and evangelized the village because she responded to the word of God. The woman caught in adultery. He didn't leave her in the midst of all those people being judged and said, I love you and accept you. Although he did. He dismissed the judges and then said to her, now go and sin no more. He met with her where she was at and then told her how to be free from where she was at. When he met with Peter... After the resurrection, Peter at that time was a pretty broken man. He knew he'd denied Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. He knew he'd deserted him when his hour of need. He knew he hadn't even stayed awake and prayed when Jesus had asked him to. But Jesus met with him where he was at, and Peter became a powerful apostle of Christ because Jesus didn't want him to stay there Peter met with Paul when he was still called Saul on the road to Damascus to kill persecute Christians he met with him where he needed to meet with him where Paul would hear but not so that Paul would stay there but so that Paul would be transformed That's what God wants for every person here. He doesn't bring words like this just because he wants people to dance more. He wants to see that transformation from glory to glory. And responding to these words is part of doing that. We can't con God. We can't get on our faces before the Lord and look like we're being holy. if that's not what God's told us to do. Most of the time in worship, we just respond to the Holy Spirit. It's no good kneeling if God says, stand. It's no good sitting in a chair because you'll think you hear God that way. If God has said, stand and put your hands in the air. It's no good standing with your hands in the air, looking like you're worshipping God. If God has said, get on your face before me. It's not that he will walk away from you. It's not that he won't be there because he'll meet where you are at. But he wants you to transform to know more of that same power that is within us, that rolled the stone away. That same power that's alive in us today, that we sung on in the very first song today. in the room just as we come to the end let's just do one final thing can we all just lay a hand on ourselves it'll feel slightly strange but put a hand on your head or two hands on your head to lay hands on yourself firstly speak out loud just speak blessing over your life and over the life of your family or your friends and this community. Know that as you do this, blessing is being imparted. This week will be different to last week. because blessing is being released. Right now, all over this room, as believers lay hands. It is a response of obedience it also says in the word that when believers lay hands on the sick they shall get well so release health right now over your friend, over your friends and over your family if you're not ill just release health over yourself and your family and your friends and this community the believers shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover Why would we accept any less? Because it's normal to accept less, but we are beyond normal. We are in the supernatural. Lay your hands on your head. Right on the top there. Health, I speak over my life. Speak it out loud. Health, I speak over my wife. Health, I speak over my husband. Health, I speak over my children. Health, I speak over my parents. Health, I speak over my brothers and sisters. Health, I speak over my church, over my friends, over my community. I release health from heaven. Your kingdom come, Lord, here on earth as it is in heaven. Your rule and your reign. One final blessing to release. So you've released blessing generally. Which means happiness and prosperity. You've released blessing. I uh, uh, sorry, you've released health from heaven. And now release another heart of blessing. Release prosperity over yourself. Not as in a wrong sense, but as in that you will prosper in everything that you put your hands to do, that you will prosper financially, that God may be glorified, and that we may be generous. Just release, as your hands are on your head right now release that blessing this is the point where Jesus said to the woman caught in adultery go and sin no more or when it's, when he said to the woman at the well and she went off and started telling people they didn't stay where they were they did something remember without faith It is impossible to please God. Know that as you release over this community right now, blessing, health and prosperity, if you're doing it expecting God to reward you and this community with those things, you are pleasing Him right now. Hallelujah. If you're not doing it, then it won't be happening. God doesn't hate you. But he's trying to move you on. Impartation to you and your family right now. Just for about another minute. Keep speaking out loud. Blessing, health, prosperity. Speak it, speak it, speak it. Speak the word of God. You've been in praise, you've been in worship. You've routed the enemy. You've exalted Jesus. You've submitted to God. Now let that blessing resist the enemy so that he flees. Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you pour out your spirit afresh upon every person in this room that has got their hands laid on themselves right now Father pour out your blessing pour out your health pour out your prosperity pour out the Holy Spirit afresh into every life right now where there has been dryness May there be release. Where there has been doubt, let there be faith again. When there has been anxiety, let there be peace. Where there has been fear, let there be courage. Let heaven, the rule and the reign of Jesus, be released in every person responding right now in this room. Let heaven be released in their lives. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, that right now, as every person responds, you are pleased. Well done, says God your Father. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have responded. Now, go and do likewise in my name. Amen.